0: Hey guys, my name is Ashwin and first of all, thank you so much for having me here. I think this is a very unique idea of having guests so and letting them go on about their story. Uh, like you guys know, I'm here to talk about my experience and whatever I went through with mental health issues. I was diagnosed with depression a few years ago, I think four or five years ago that is and I had a lot of byproducts if I can call it that with it. I had insomnia. I had a lot of eating disorders. at anorexia at first, and then when I thought that I was getting cured, I was diagnosed with bulimia because I ate a lot and threw up at night. So that was that wasn't good. But there is a story behind this, right? Like all of us have, and that's I wouldn't call it a difficult childhood, just a roller coaster of a childhood. We we had ups and downs, and those downs were really really low. I. But I was a kid. I was a naive kid who saw things I shouldn't have, but I was enjoying my life. I honestly was because I was a kid. I went about my business. I played a lot. I played a lot of sports. I had fun. I had friends over. I went to my friend's house, except when I was at home with my brother, my mom and dad, things weren't the greatest. And that's that's the problem, right? But again, I didn't think about it a lot. Life went on and puberty hit hit me. Surprise, surprise. So in the last five years, I think maybe six years, I've been in a relationship for five of them with three different girls, One, two for six months each and one for three years. And that made up my, oh, four years, that is, sorry, four years. And uh, but in the three-year relationship particularly, there were a few triggers that had brought a flashback in my memory. I'm not blaming the relationship as such, just that there were a lot of things that happened during the course of the relationship. My fault, no fault, but no blame games, but things happened and uh, I had triggers. And that's when I realized that there are a lot of things in my mind that I'm not thinking about and then just pushing it aside. And all of that, all of those memories when I was a kid hit me because I could relate to what was actually going on in my relationship. And that's when so it's funny because I wanted to be a cricketer. I used to go to the gym. I was first a slob, fat man, and then I started working out, wanted to be fit for the game, of course, to play cricket. I don't know how many have heard the sport cricket, but it's pretty famous in India or even around the world for that matter. But and then these things happened, right? The trigger happened in the relationship and then it was all downhill from there. I didn't know what I was going through. So I connected to my stu- school student counselor. I was still in school at that time. And we spoke. We spoke for quite a lot, three, four months. She was very sweet because she's a student counselor of a school and she had no, she didn't have to talk to me over the phone, but she did, which was great. She's an amazing human being, so. And she said that I may have depression. She cannot diagnose me, of course. She's just a student counselor. So she told me to look out for help and go get help, which I didn't. Because in India, there's this problem where a lot of older generations aren't really open up, open about mental health and its existence. But I fortunately had good parents, open-minded parents, so to say. One of them understood Another one took some time, but I got help, and that's when I was diagnosed with all of this. The problem was I was still in a relationship, the same relationship it went on for three years, and I didn't realize how toxic I was going to get. So, here's the deal: I told her to. So we decided that we should break off. Except we didn't, and that's a lot of that's my fault, and uh, I was. So toxic. I didn't think I could get that toxic, but I was unconsciously so toxic. I don't think I was abusive, but I was in that gray area. And oh God, she, she, she accepted my apology now, a few years later, but oh Lord, the things that I did, even to a friend because I cut out my friends, I cut out a lot of my friends, even the relationship I was in, I became very distant. I was just a very toxic human being. And that's also because it's not an excuse. Of course, it's not an excuse. But that's also because I was mentally so down because the only thing I would hope for before sleeping, and this is the only line of hope I had, I didn't believe in hope, I didn't care about hope. But that small 1% of hope that I had was If I sleep tonight, I don't want to wake up tomorrow morning. I don't want to tomorrow. I don't want to open my eyes. But I kept opening my eyes because I kept waking up. And that was dark. I remember days when I wouldn't eat food. I was just on the bed. I missed a lot of school. For three, four months, I was just on the bed. I also had a back injury, but that was because of playing a lot of sport. But they were dark days. This is funny. I didn't know I... would eating disorder. So I was a lot into fitness, right? So I wanted to make sure my weight was maintained and all that. But after depression, I was, after I was diagnosed, I stopped playing cricket with an excuse of studying. That didn't happen. I just stopped playing cricket because I completely hated the sport, a sport that I adored. I just started despising it and then working out. I love working out for the sport, but I stopped that too. I started eating a lot or eating absolutely nothing. But so this is what happened. I didn't know I was diagnosed. I didn't know I had an eating disorder, but this is how I found out. And this is how I got diagnosed with it. My weight was around 65 for a 18 year old kid, which was okay. I was so conscious about my weight all the time about my body because I was fat and now I was leaning down and all of my friends and family kept telling me that I look different, that I look great which always played in my mind. And I always wanted that praise. I was almost addicted to that praise. So I was so conscious about my weight that I was 65. And then a few months later, when I was diagnosed with depression and insomnia, a few months later, I went to the doctor because I got sick. I had a fever. And before, like the normal procedure goes, before I got on to the weighing machine because they check your weight, I was praying in my mind that I was around 66, 67. This is more than what I was before. So I was expecting more than what I was before. 66, 67. And then when I stepped onto the weighing machine, I was 51. 51. That's almost 14 kgs less than what I was before. And that shocked me. And I didn't know how to comprehend. So what I thought was this must be completely wrong. I can't be this thin and the weighing machine has a problem. So I thought I'd go back home and check. I went back home, stepped onto my weighing machine. I was 52. And that just broke me. I knew something was off. Something is an understatement. I knew a lot of things were off. That's when I went to the therapist to my weekend sessions that I had, told her this, told her my eating habits and told her my everyday schedule. And she realized that I don't eat. And then I realized that I don't eat at all. There were days... There were three, four days that went by with two, three meals in total. So that was the problem. And so I don't want to get into a lot to the sobbing story, but I want to talk about what changed. And so the relationship ended. Thank God for her. And I was getting into university that year. Three, four months before the university hit, I started working out again. I didn't completely feel like home. I didn't completely feel like it, but I realized that I didn't work out to get praise. I didn't work out to look better or look the way others do. I didn't work out to meet society's expectations. I worked out because I absolutely loved working out. I loved going to the gym, not to show off, not to lift weights, not to run around, but because... It felt like home. It felt like my own space. I felt like myself. It's almost therapeutic, if I can put it that way. I didn't play cricket to become a cricketer. I played cricket because I loved the sport. Because that sport gave me something in life I don't think anyone could have. And that is love. And I slowly but surely started working out. I still didn't pick up my cricket bat. You play cricket with a bat. It's almost like a baseball, but an extended version of a baseball. A lot of cricketers will say a better version of a baseball. I don't, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd say that. Well, yeah, maybe. That's because I'm biased. But anyway, Uh I started working out a few months before. My food habits were still terrible. From someone who was dieting constantly and loved it, again, I didn't hate diet. I love following a diet. I love following a schedule. I had a strict schedule, but all of that just went down the line for two, three years. But before university had I started working out. I've said this a million times now. I'm sorry. And then I started. The, and so my university is in a different college. So I realized that this will be a great time to make a change. I don't have to stay at home. I can move into another city. I'm responsible for myself. I have to take care of myself, which means a lot of what will happen around me is my fault. I always played the victim card for some reason. I always blamed it on my childhood, blamed it on people. But this was a time where if something happened, it was on me because I was responsible for myself. So I got into the university and it was great. I didn't think I could have a better time. Like I had the best time ever. I started working out again. I emphasize on working out, not because to not to tell you that I work out. I don't even think it's noticeable, but I emphasize on it because it's like reading for some. I love to read. I love to write. I want to be a journalist. I also have a podcast of my own. That's a plug, by the way. And, But... I emphasize on working out because that's always a constant, right? I'm always there. It's my home. It's my space. I put on my headphones and I don't care about the outside world because it's my time and I have the best time. So from hating it to starting to love it was the change. And then university, which was a bigger change. I think that university was the biggest catalyst to, to have a positive mind, the positive mind that I have now. At least it's a little optimistic than what I was before. So I got into university and then things started to happen. I started playing cricket again. And I realized that oh, I missed this sport so much. I still remember the first day of practice. I got selected for my college team. And then I they told me to pad up. For those of you who don't know, pad up means to... So we are protective guards. We have a lot of protective guards as a batsman. So I had to wear a lot of those protective guards and I just, it just fit in. I didn't feel like, Oh, I haven't played for two years. I felt like I played it. I played this yesterday. I've practiced for 12 hours just yesterday and I'm here. I'm here to play. I'm here to fit into the team. I'm here to score runs. And I'm, so the net practice went, I don't know how that went. That's a blur. but I remember after practice, I sat in a corner and just teared up. Because I realized that the two things that I loved from when I was a kid, I hated it for two years. And now I'm back to loving it. Now that was the biggest change of my life. I still work out. I still play cricket. And there are ups and downs, of course. I have a lot of downs even now, but I know I can go through it because of what happened four years before. And one of the biggest lessons I have, and for those again, listening, I'm no expert, but we always have a tendency to cut people off from our lives because it's easy. It's easy to stop talking to people because talking to some is an effort. Even, if, even if you love that person, it is an effort. Not talking is an easier part to follow, but, and that's what I did for two years. Oh, my best of friends, right? I have. A lot of friends who I consider family, I cut them all off for two years. And those were my dark periods because I didn't know what to do. I had a therapist. I had a student counselor. Those were my two go-to people. But I had no friends. The one friend that I have, he's my podcast co-host, by the way. It's again a plug. He was always there. And there was another friend from another school who was always there. So I had a couple. Except I couldn't always go to them, right? I couldn't go there, rant, because they had their own lives. They needed to do their own thing. So I couldn't always disturb them. And the friends that I had, I cut them all off. Because like I said, it's the easiest thing to do. But once I started recovering, once I started going through the process, and before I finish this, a lot of people have a tough time going through the process, going through... Listening to what the therapist says, listening to what the psych- psycho psychologist says. And it is tough. I didn't do what they told me to do for a year because I just thought I don't care anymore. I just want to end this. I don't care about life. I don't care about living. I don't care about getting better. I just care about not being in pain. And the easiest way to not be in pain, like I said, we always take the easiest path, is to die. And that's all I had in mind. But I started trying a few things for the sake of people around me. I realized I was very toxic and a lot of people around me, even the people I was in touch with, or even my family for that matter, disliked me a lot more than I thought they would. And that's when I realized I am alive. Might as well try a few things before I end it. And I have tried ending it. I'm going to say this on record. I have tried a couple of times for some reason. God doesn't want me there yet. But thankfully, at least now in the stage where I am, I'd say thankfully, but I have tried. And then I went with the process of what the therapist told me. And I sort of got better. The student counselor helped a lot. She's still in touch for six years. I passed school three years ago and we are still in touch. And uh, so the fact that I was doing all those things those therapists told me was okay. It was one small factor. One of the biggest factors that played into my life was, got, again, gym, university, cricket, blah, blah, blah. But was getting in touch with my friends again, with the memories I had again, with all those guys I spent so much time with, the, all those guys I went out with, had a laugh with, ate whatever crap I could on a particular day. Every time they made me jealous while eating an ice cream because I couldn't, I met those guys again. We And they they, they didn't even make me feel like I was gone for two years. They just, again, it was like cricket, like a con- conversation that was left yesterday. But, oh, you're, you're here again. And that's what I felt like. I'm so, so thankful that I have these friends. And I thank them almost every day. At least I try to. It pisses them off, of course. but. I don't care. I need to thank them because without them, I wouldn't be here. Especially those two guys, the one, my co-host and the other one from my school. Without them, the journey would have been tough. But like I said, I still have lows, I still have down times, I'm still toxic. But it's a process and I learned to live with the process. I know I've gone through it. I know I had the darkest of times. I know that I've tried to kill myself. I know I've tried to jump off a building, but I'm nowhere near, I'm not that low anymore. And that's great. I love the fact that I can come on to this show and think of all this in hindsight. Because if you told me two years ago that you'll be here two years later, I wouldn't believe it. I wouldn't, hell no, because there was no recovery at that time. It was just surviving. And now I am recovering. And now I think, It's it's going better. It's getting great. But there was another tale, one small tale. I'm sorry, but another tale. The last relationship I was in, I realized that even though I was recovering, I was not there yet. And I, I think I was too quick to judge myself. And I thought, oh, great. I'm recovering. I'm happy. I'm great. I can be in a relationship. I can take care of someone else. They can take care of me. I'm the perfect man. That didn't turn out very well because, like I said, it lasted for six months. But it was hell again. And no blame games. But I was tough. I was really tough to handle because I think I relapsed during the course of the relationship. So I figured that, oh, wait. I still need to take time for myself. I still need to recover. I still need to work on myself. And I know a lot of people have suffered during this lockdown because of coronavirus and quarantine and whatever. A lot of people have suffered. A lot of people have lost their lives. It's devastating what's happening to the world. But if I can find one silver lining is that it's helped me a lot. It's helped me quite a bit. Taking time off from the world even before, so now I have online classes, but before that came about, I took time for myself. I realized that, like I said in the beginning, for the past five, six years, I've been in a relationship for four. So I realized I haven't really had time for myself. So this is what I did during the course. I've also realized that being in a relationship is not what I want to look for because that's where i found my happiness. And that's a mistake that I always made. I don't need find happiness with someone else. That's a privilege. That's an added source of joy in your life. Being happy should come from within. I don't want to sound philosophical or anything, but that's what I learned. That's what I learned for myself, that I haven't been happy living by myself. I still haven't. I still am not. But that's something I'm working towards. I'm working towards being happy by myself. I'm working towards being proud with how I look, with how I speak, with how, not being complacent but being happy with how I am in general because that's one very very important aspect of anyone's life to just be happy with yourself and that's my story well thank you so much for coming on to silent journeys and being willing to be vulnerable and share your story thank you so much for inviting me I didn't think I could do this but Thank you for making me break that barrier, so thank you.